0: Hi, um, this is Adam, and... I am Dan. So we, uh, we've we been talking about this for a while, and we've been having thoughts about maybe doing something like a podcast. And we know there's a couple Battletech podcasts out there, and we make no pretensions to doing this better than anybody else. But we've been in this game for decades now, and so we uh, we thought, hey, we have something to say. We have annoying opinions that we want to make you guys listen to. And so here we are with episode number one and uh, a couple of things we wanted to talk about today. So, Dan, do you want to uh, introduce yourself,
1: what you do, why you love the game, all that jazz? Yes. Uh, my name is Dan, last name Pharaoh. I'm going to be as formal as possible I can with this. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a locksmith for a living, um, and I got into Battletech a really long time ago. Um, it was from MechWarrior 2. And I spent a lot of time in it, um, all the way through that Ghost Bear's Legacy Mercenaries. So, also we're uh, we're recording outside,
0: so you may hear various noises. Yeah,
1: like the airplane. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I actually also got into Battle Tech from Fourth Edition. I didn't get Third Edition, like all the cool people. <laughs> <laughs> so. I like the paper standees. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and I have bad taste in Max. I like the assassin the most.
0: <laughs> <laughs> My name is Adam. Uh, I'm actually a veterinarian, and you know, like Dan, uh, got into BattleTech a long time ago. So you know, for me, you know, BattleTech was actually the cartoon. So I was there. I just I was there to watch the cartoon live, uh, which was great. And then. That would put me in about fourth grade. And from there, it was quickly discovered that Battletech was not just a cartoon, but was actually a board game. And so one of the guys in the neighborhood got a copy of City Tech. And then I got Battletech Third Edition. And so this was kind of just right before all of the noise with the uh Harmony Gold stuff and the mm. lawsuit to get rid of what became the unseen. And so we, like, for me, um, not only was Battletech 3rd edition my jumping in point, but there's actually a guy in the neighborhood, a friend uh, of mine, his uncle, who was you know, maybe about 20 years older than us. And he also had um, a whole cache of classic source books. And so for me, for a long time, you know, Battletech was the Succession Wars, the Star League, um, the Unseen. I mean, you open up those old books, like every image is of the Unseen. Crusaders, Warhammers, Marauders, they're all like that. And so, you know, that was the era that I I was in. Um, and something about Battletech just sort of crawled into your brain. It split your head open, it crawled into your brain, and it didn't leave. I'm thinking about that whole universe, the whole setting. And it just stuck. And I think as I got older, rather than growing out of it, you know, probably like you too, Dan, you just sort of begin to appreciate the, uh, the nuances of the universe. You know, the... You yeah, know,
1: as you get older, you kind of have a better way of understanding things yeah 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 (laughs) instead of like oh look at the pretty art
0: (laughs) right right and so it's not just you know big stompy robots it's also the setting and a lot of you know shades of gray like no one's perfect um and in fact you know for me for a long time you know yeah i mean i was aware of the federated commonwealth but you know i didn't know about the fourth succession war because of the the gap in the books that i had and uh you know, the whole, you know, for a long time, the Federated Sons were considered the white hats. And yeah, I mean, I get it. It's there in the novels, but, you know, not so much in the source books. And, you know, for whatever reason, the Fed Sons was something I glommed onto. And that was like without knowing about the novels and Hans Davian and Justin Allard and, you know, all those guys.
1: And obviously I got in the Mercenaries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mech too 2 would do that to you, especially because of Deadeye. eye. Mm. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. Kill the meat, save the metal. <laughs> Life is cheap. Battle mechs aren't. It's good times. If you get killed, try to scream a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we've been we've been in the game for a long time and actually Dan and I met a couple of years ago, just by happenstance over the boards, uh the official Battletech forum and uh said, Hey, anyone else in this area wanting to uh to play? Yeah, it was more like you lived here this whole time, right, 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 right. Because I, I don't know if you guys noticed, you guys out there in podcast land, who are unfortunate enough to listen to this, but uh, you know, by the time we got into BattleTech, I mean, it quickly, it wasn't what it was. You know, when I when I got into it, you know, BattleTech was, you know, probably third string in terms of popularity. I mean, way, way in front of that was were the, were the Warhammer games by Games Workshop.
1: Yeah, almost every friend I had played Warhammer. Yeah, and it was really tough to get people to play try. A game. Yeah, like to yeah. play anything unless it was like something along the lines of what was going on in MechWarrior two II or three. So it's like you had to have clan tech, you had to have custom max. Yeah, mechs, you yeah.
0: know. Yeah, yeah. No, and it's it's uh, it's one of those things. And I hope that you know BattleTech's gonna have a resurgence. I hope it's gonna go well. Um, we've been talking about the year of BattleTech now for a couple of years, but I think. This is it. This is it. Well, I hope so. I this hope has, so. It has to be it. It has to be it. <laughs> um, otherwise it will continue it won't go away, but it will continue to limp along like it has. But I think I think Catalyst Games has it in the right spot. Um but yeah, I mean, it, you know, for me I didn't play a lot of other games because you know, I was so heavily invested into BattleTech. It was like, "Oh god, I don't want to I don't wanna spend
1: any more money on anything else." <laughs> this shit's expensive. Yeah, as we just drop, like, what, $500 on the uh, <laughs> the Kickstarter? So I'm going to buy $300 in used minis. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, disposable income. Oh, man. Still, Not the best
1: decisions. We still think the full Ameris should have been an option.
0: Yes, the full Ameris. $10,000, full Ameris. Override everybody and ruin everything. <laughs> you get a bedazzled Nerf gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah where's my option for a star of gargoyles
1: oh my god <laughs> maybe we'll talk about that game in a different topic one of these days yeah yeah uh, yeah that was terrible yeah, the gargoyle
0: is actually not a bad mech i know we, you guys don't believe me out there but we've done it 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 can the you know, gargoyle prime can <laughs> can give an entire intersphere lance a really bad day and we will talk about cluster hits and why they're not terrible and why you guys need to get over rolling dice <laughs> and this is why no one's gonna listen to us <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is, it. this is it done done uh unsubscribe <laughs> um but yeah so yeah obviously we're recording this on a cell phone so i hope this audio quality is gonna gonna turn out okay but we'll get something
1: better we're yeah. just kind of playing around right now yeah
0: this has been something we've just been talking about for a long time um but yeah i mean you know obviously we've been out there for a while we played the game for a long time um and it's probably there have been a number of topics on the boards that, you know, we have wanted to kind of, you know, talk about and follow through with and give our opinion and, and also give our opinion in a way that's not going to be lost in the shuffle. I mean, sometimes it feels like, you know, someone writes something and then it's just two people responding to each other back and forth and then, you know, maybe three or four other people kind of get ignored, um, which I mean, it happens. We've all been there on 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 fora, but uh this is it. You're listening. You have to listen to us. You have to put up with us. Yeah, there goes my air conditioner in the background. Right yeah. away. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, for us, I mean, well, you know, for me, I, I love the the ongoing meta plot of the game. Well, I wouldn't say love it. I mean, there's, there are definitely decisions that I, I wouldn't have made, but you know, I get it. Like what I would make is a different form of bias, and that can be
1: problematic. So like, I can think one way; it's going to be okay, but there may be a bias inherent in there. Well, um, as a whole, too, to be a Battletech fan, you kind of have to be into, like, math and statistics, and you like tinkering with things. Yeah, I mean, that's probably why I'm a locksmith. I never thought I would do this. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, but, you know, I, I think,
0: you know, the funny thing is is that, you know, I like the ongoing story. I want the story to finish where it's at. I want to see the new jumping-off point. I want to see what happens. Um, but, you know, despite wanting to see the story progress and wanting to read more novels and seeing what's going on with the story, I cannot help but, you know, still the game I love to play is actually that that early game, the 3025 era, because I feel the game is the most balanced, and it forces probably the most decisions on you. I know there are definitely some people who will disagree with that, which is fine. Um, but I, I think for me, I find the game the most enjoyable when in that 3025 era. Um, and possibly you know, Clan Invasion, um, and there's a reason why we're, we're mentioning this, because it's going to kind of get into a topic that I think is an ongoing sore point in the community. And I, I know the, the writers out there recognize this, and the guys, the developers, the, the powers that be. And I just sort of wonder if anything can change about that. And I'd be really curious to see what maybe you, our loyal listeners for half an episode, um, would think about this, um, which kind of gets to... Auto cannons. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> How to fix
1: autocannons.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I, I think you know, looking back at the history of Battletech, there's a lot of interesting points about it. You know, you know, originally I think up through second edition you
1: know heat there... sinks were not mounted in the engine and I right. just learned that because of the yeah. topic. Which kinda blows your mind, point. right? I had no idea. So
0: yeah, I mean you can you can hide as many heat sinks in the engine as the engine's rating divided by twenty-five, and so in some instances, in small engines, they may come with ten heat sinks. But especially in lighter max, some of those heat sinks may be uh, mounted outside the engine, which may be a reference to you know a smaller engine size just cannot have the heat sink capacity in the engine, but it comes with those heat sinks. Mm-hmm. But it used to be like the you know a, a three hundred rated engine, you could hide, you could pay, you know, two tons, you would get twelve heat sinks total. And all those heat sinks would be in the engine. But back in the day, you know, a Marauder, which had 16
1: heat sinks. All of them were on that sheet. Yeah, all of them were on the sheet. At least from what I understand. I've never seen it, but, um, yeah, I mean, if you even think about it, like, because the original Marauder had the auto cannon, right? Right. And, yeah. and way
0: back when, it was the autocannon. Yeah. It was just an AC5. And those heat sinks were your padding for the ammo, too. Yeah. And I don't think there were more heat sinks until, or sorry, more auto cannons until City Tech, which introduced the Hunchback. Yes, it did.
1: Yeah, I think it did. And I have so, to go look at my box set again. Yeah. <laughs> and so that,
0: that's when you get those different sizes the 2, 5, 10, and 20. And I think, you know, there are a couple of, of problems with this. And it, it's, it's one thing to say that, you know, auto cannons are considered an older tech base versus say the ppc and the uh lasers Mm -hmm. uh and i don't think they need to be as good or as great or as awesome as lasers no but i think they need to be viable and in that introductory tech that 3025 era you can get by with them no problem but and especially once you get past those those ten heat sinks that come with the engine, you're starting to pay yeah. more to use laser weapons. Well, but
1: there, there's a reason people pick the Grand Dragon over the regular Dragon, right? You right.
0: Know. And there's a reason why you you you, you know, sometimes the, the first thing that people do when they learn how to customize Max is they do stupid things like me, and you forget <laughs> that uh, you got to pay for for gyros and stuff like that and you make a mech that's got two autocannon 20s and two lrm 20s or you make a zombie laser boat um which is just it's just the thing you do because you quickly learn like either my mech can explode from missiles or or you know ammunition explosions or or it can't
1: or i could pad on a bunch of lasers and heat sinks and drag the game on for 30 turns yeah
0: (laughs) so uh, you know, and well, I, I think in that, that level one era, uh, those autocannons are not bad and they have their uses. You know, and even the autocannon, two, in sort of more of a a meta game or a role playing game or a continuing campaign game, um, instances where your mech can have effects that are not directly played out in the battlefield, you know, like for example, to like an RPG setting. So, uh, an example I read on the board, which was great, was you're in a Vulcan. And you're chasing down a wasp. And that wasp is about the same speed as you. So you can make a couple rolls, you got your target numbers, you're able to keep on them, and you're able to sort of like keep them at a distance and, you know, wreck a leg. And maybe you use, you know, half a ton of AC two ammo. And you don't need to necessarily play that whole battle out on a map sheet with record sheets. You can just sort of role play it which is interesting or you can attack installations from a range that nobody else can hit you at Um, or if you want to play with extreme range options you can get an AC2 and fire at an an immobile target and it's not a big you know target modifier because it's an immobile target even though it's at extreme range and you can really just bust that place up
1: but on the battlefield on a, a single setting game there are problems yeah, in a stand-up game, you're never gonna have that whole immobile target scenario with like a building or objective like that. Because I would argue that most of the people who play BattleTech are probably people who just do mech versus mech battles, just your regular stand-up battle. Yeah. Which is safe to say when we have this conversation about making any kind of improvement to auto cannons, you know, that's pretty much what we're trying to keep in mind. Yeah,
0: it kind of has to be. In that Lance v Lance setting. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there are definitely parts where, like, so, okay, so for oh. sure, right, you could take a Clint, which is a fast, medium mech, and you could remove that auto cannon. Put a PPC? And on put a PPC in there. Say. But, but at the same time, what an auto cannon lets you to do, despite having more weight and less damage, is that you can spend every turn. Every goddamn turn, <laughs> jumping and firing that
1: damn auto cannon and not make any heat. But you can argue for the PVC if you take in consideration how the Clint's armor layout is, right? Which seems to match a lot of the lighter mechs in that era, too. Yeah, um, that PVC has better penetrating power, which oh, on top of that, too, no ammo, yeah, so you don't have to worry about that, which is why. That weapon would be more appealing than an yeah. autocannon. Yeah. You know, it seems like when you consider the trade-offs between the two, yeah, you're going for the PPC. You yeah. You will yeah. deal with the heat. You will deal with, you know, any modifiers. So, well, they have the same range bracket, so yeah. you don't even have to deal with. But you
0: will you will find a way to put up with it. Um, yeah. And you know, granted, yes. I mean, there are a couple things that to keep in mind. Right? Is that you know an autocannon may be an easier weapon to maintain. If you play more of a metagame or a campaign, it's easier to maintain, it's easier to replace,
1: you know, it's easier to find because it requires less technology to build. Now, is that necessarily because of cost? Because I saw someone say that they right. actually cost more than weapons. Yeah. They're, but they, it's probably more based on availability. Based
0: on availability. Yeah.
1: Because actually the cost is not significantly
0: cheaper, and the ammunition is not significantly cheaper. But you um, can get it. But you can get it. Um and that's not, I don't think there's enough of a reason. And I don't think, while the metagame is interesting, I think it's really important, especially if you're able to find a group to do an RPG setting with and play a campaign with. Um, you know, it, autocans are probably easier to repair. You know, it's not the series of capacitors and, and it's, you know, the autocan has moving parts. You can probably do it in a machine lathe and you can just, you can just do
1: it. Well, I mean, they still have internal combustion engines around. So. That's
0: weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well,
1: not so much for vehicles, but on Max, like, maybe that, that's
0: another topic. But yeah. Future come 80s. on, these <laughs> kids. Oh, geez. <laughs> well, okay. Oh, we don't want to be here forever. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think you know part of the thing is, and, and I just sort of wonder is this something that the developers would be willing to just here to take a look at because the autocannons do not have to be, you know, the auto five is not have to be good as a PPC, and I think the comparison there is a little weak just because they have the same range bracket. I think what would be more interesting is to draw the comparison between the autocannon ten in the PPC and the Auto Cannon five in the large laser. But okay, so what about tonnages, right? Yeah yeah, Adam, what about tonnages? What the fuck, man? Um, what are you thinking? I, I think you I just you, put the large laser on and enough heat sink. <laughs> yeah. I think the problem is you can't get around the fact that autocannons need more hitting power. Now maybe you don't need to, to up the autocannon twenty. But it wouldn't hurt. Um, I mean, an autocannon 20 can do a lot of damage, and it's probably fine at, at... Sure, you can get four medium lasers and it'll do 20 points, but it won't do 20 points at the same location, unless you're really lucky. That's where the Auto Cannons come in. But I think... Well, there are a couple of ways to get around it, but I think you just cannot help it, but you've got to find a way to do a damage boost. And the way I see it is... I know Battletech's got Legacy, and I know it's one of those games that you can pick up at any point... And you're fine, and you, you can follow along with the rules, and there have been minor tweaks, but I don't think it's that big of a deal to change the damage profile. And I don't think it's gonna upset battle value that much, and I don't think it's gonna upset the tabletop too much, but it's gonna make your Wolverines, your Shadowhawks, your Clints, they're gonna make them better. It's gonna make, even in later eras, it's gonna make the Daimyo better, it's gonna make the Gargoyle better, it's gonna make, you know, the, the Kit Fox better. Um, And I don't think it's going to wildly unbalance the game. And we've been talking a
1: lot about ways to do this. We've been actually playing this a lot too. But what it comes down to is we have basically two ways that we think about this. It's either we suck it up and just change the stats, change the damage on it all together. Or we add some kind of quirk to the weapon to make it feel different than the other weapons that are already out there. Right. And I think... That second one has a lot of appeal. It's really cool, and it's definitely worth
0: considering. And it's one we haven't play tested yet. It's worth doing. My, my one concern, and it's really not a big concern. It's something well, that it, we can get by. So, would that complicate the rules in a way that makes it
1: unnecessary? But it's
0: really minimal. Yeah, it's, so, you just deal with it. To be yeah.
1: clear, the, the second one is an idea that I just kind of thought up. Um, it was based off of our playtesting with your idea just to increase damage. Yeah, yeah. Which we did like. And it's not know.
0: its not like a massive increase. And it's not even as much as, say, what they did with the Battletech PC game. But it's like, you know, you add two points basically to, to all the weapons. And it's, it follows a sort of decreasing, uh, sort of like the way lasers do. You know, the small does three, medium does five, large does eight. Mm-hmm. So the autocannon 2 does four, the AC5 does seven, the 10 does 12, which actually makes it a head capper. And then the 20 does 22. Um, and what happens when you make the AC-5 do seven points of damage, It it's able to compete with a large laser in a way that it really wouldn't before. And it's so heat neutral, almost, that it's it's really interesting that you can do that. And the AC-2 doing four points of damage is nice because it makes it a viable alternative to like an LRM-5. You know, there's massive weight differences between the two weapons. And there's, you know, massive, you know, damage differences the way they are in the standard tech. And, you know, it's like, why take an AC-2? I Just take a blackjack and put on, you know, two
1: LRM-5s in both arms or something. Yeah. Um, well, the, the other good example, too, would be if you look at an underwhelming mech, which, I mean, I kind of like it just because of its looks, but like the Vulcan. Yeah, you know, all of a sudden that autocannon too does a lot more damage, yeah. which obviously makes the mech a lot more viable, and it also shows you, you know, a good way to use the autocannon, right? Which is probably something they were thinking of when they came up with the design in the first place. It's, yeah, but it's just in a four versus four game. Yeah, it's not enough. Well, and it, and <laughs> it, just it is it, not
0: enough. And by no means does that mean that these weapons are going to replace. You know, if you you took an awesome with the buffed AC damage and you remove the three PPCs and put four autocannon fives, the three PPC version is probably going to be better. But the four AC fives is interesting. And it would be interesting to see that in, like,
1: a periphery blackwater or something like that. Yeah, or you can't refill, or not refill, but you cannot replace those PPCs that got shot out. So what are you going to replace them with? Well, we have a bunch of autocannon fives. yeah. Throw them on. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what that means,
0: too, right, is that you know the 8C5 is not going to do 10 damage, but it's going to be a viable competitor for, for weight and tonnage, and it's going to f- kind of fit in between the large laser and the PPC. And the autocannon 2, with buff damage, has a place next to an LRM5. Mm-hmm. Although, granted, the range difference between the two is not that great, you know, the AC2 goes at to 24 hexes. The LRM5 goes at to 21. But it's got enough of a benefit and enough of a hitting power that's like, ah, eh, I'm okay. I'm okay with the blackjack.
1: <laughs> you can deal with it now. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, what you, what you were saying about the sort of the different to hit numbers and the to hit rolls about how that changes damage, mm-hmm. if you want to go into that. Yeah,
1: so the idea that I had is more in line with because i know people like battle tech is like gospel for a lot of the guys who played it from the 80s which is why the rules have always stayed the same but there are things that evolved like how physical attacks are handled yeah. how partial covers handled i would handle autocannons in the same way where the same thing's happening you're keeping the damage the same on them but if you roll above the target number it adds that plus two damage and you can even explain that in fluff. Like, the reason is you you had such a good shot that you're not, you know, let's say you're not dealing with recoil. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or it's just something with, like, standard ammunition that does that. Yeah. Or the way the autocannon works.
0: Well, and that kind of gets into, you know, the autocannons ah. have been fluffed a lot of different ways. And, I, you know, I think what, you know, like, for example, a d- demolisher tank, you know, it's fluffed as firing a single, giant, massive shell, um, which is great. But you're also dealing with a world that's had sort of standardization. And actually, I believe on NPR, there's a really cool podcast about the standardization (laughs) of screws thanks to American colonialism. (laughs) A whole other topic for another day. Um, But when you've got, when you had the Star League Defense Force and you have, you know, mech parts that are swappable and ammunition that's swappable and you're dealing with a supply chain across hundreds of light years, no asshole developer He's gonna say, "I'm gonna make an autocannon 20, but it's gonna fire different ammunition." Like every military in the world is gonna say, "I don't want to buy your proprietary ammo." Yeah. Either send me the demolisher, and I'll put my own autocannons on, or get your shit together. Maybe
1: Ameris did that because he <laughs> yeah. knew it was coming.
0: Yeah, the full Ameris. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. So anyway, so like I think, I think Cameron's had a bad idea. Autocannons that generally have been fluffed in general as having firing a stream of projectiles. And it's been like that in video games. And it's been like that in the fiction. And so I think the idea of conceptualizing this as a stream of bullets is the way to go. And that's where this rule kind of
1: kind of comes in. Yeah, the, the damage bonus kind of runs off of that. Um, so it, it basically, if, I, if we weren't clear enough with it, so like if you roll above the target number, so if you roll, let's say you have a 7 to hit, and you're firing your autocannon 5. So... If you roll a seven, you hit, but you're only going to do five damage, which is the rating of the weapon. So that means you don't have to change stats. If you go over that, you add two to that. So like if you roll an eight, you would do seven points of damage. So it it's it's an elegant way to change things, it like with one sentence in the rule book, yeah. without actually having to change record sheets. Yeah,
0: and if um. I saw this also on the boards. I don't know if this was your idea or if it was somebody else's, which I thought was interesting, Although, it kind of it's like an asterisk by that. It's like, what, what does that then become? Is, you know, if you roll, you know, maybe like one less than the target number, maybe you do half damage or something round down. Because again, it's that stream of bullets. So does that mean like a Jaeger mech or rifleman has that threat against light mechs, has that threat against, you know, airborne targets?
1: It would be a way to make them more a little more accurate than the other weapons, yeah. but again, it's another thing that, like when you when you just do the target number thing, like yeah. I brought up, you don't really have to think about it. You just yeah, know. yeah. It's like oh, add plus two damage to it. Yeah. with that, it's like okay, well, now I got to keep track of this and divide right. it by two. And
0: right. So like one sentence then becomes a paragraph in the rule. Yeah. Book. It's not
1: like it's that much more complicated, yeah. but it's something that yeah, I think what's
0: what's interesting is you look back at the original rule books; they're really quite thin. They're very manageable. You don't look at that and suddenly get overwhelmed. Yeah, it's like a magazine. But then you get the the newer rule books, and really the rules are the same. They're just there's explanations on top of explanations, and it can look really scary. And I think BattleTech's definitely a game where it's it's good if someone kind of walks you through it. Um, <laughs> but it definitely like you know if you can do it within a sentence versus doing it in a paragraph, I think that's definitely more attractive. But, you know, for me, I mean, one of the big things is, you know, I I like fighting games. I play fighting games. And, you know, having, you know, recently gone through this, you know, the past couple of years with Killer Instinct, which, by the way, is the best fighting game in the last (laughs) generation. Don't care who you are, what you say, what you think. You're wrong if you think otherwise. Um,
1: Personally, I like King of Fighters.
0: Get the fuck out. (laughs) Um, Well, podcast is over. Yeah, podcast is over. (laughs) Best music, best characters, best mechanics. It's amazing. But one of the really cool things about Killer Instinct is that when Iron Galaxy took over development with Season 2, when they would do updates, they would give you reasons why. And the community definitely did not appreciate that the way they should have. Because Capcom, they're like new Street Fighter. They just do stuff. They don't care. It's whatever. And that's why nobody likes Street Fighter Five. But with Killer Instinct, they gave you reasons. So even if you disagree with it, at least you understood what they were doing. And I think... What's interesting about fighting games is that when they're done well, when they're made well, um, like we all probably played Street Fighter 2, but we all know with the Dragon Uppercut or Dragon Punch in Street Fighter 2, you could do it repeatedly with no recovery, and it was an invincible one-frame wake-up. No. <laughs> but with Killer Instinct, what they did is, and a lot of and more recent versions of Street Fighter or other games, is that you know an uppercut like that is a one-frame reversal... It's invincible on frame one. You can do it from being knocked down. And it hurts when you get hit by it. Because it's... Especially because you're probably going to do it on wake up. Someone's trying to apply pressure. And you're going to counter hit them. And now you just took away like 18% of their life bar in one move. It hurts. But it has 30 seconds of recovery. And so if you whiff and you land... You're open to get punished, and you get punished hard if the player, if your opponent knows what they're doing. And, you know, the same move, same time, like light moves, these light, quick punches and kicks do little damage, have short range, have low recovery, and they're also really fast. So you're kind of playing off these pros and cons. And what that means is that, yes, there can be right answers and wrong answers, But it provides you options. And if you have options, you have to think about how you do it. It provides Mm -hmm. an interesting game. And one of the things that happen in these fighting games, too, is you'll get these updates that'll say, oh, well, you know what? We found that this move was changing the meta in a way that we didn't like. And so rather than being like a plus one on block, so you get one frame of advantage on block, and it's therefore still your turn, we're going to make it negative one. So maybe you don't necessarily lose your turn, but it can be reversal, you can get or your opponent can get out of pressure. Or maybe this move causes more pushback on block. And so, you know, maybe you're safe and as in you can't be punished after this move hits on block, but it's no longer your turn. And I think moves that provide options and decision making makes a game more interesting. And so with Battletech, I think you know an autocan doesn't have to be as good as a PPC. Or laser, but it has to be viable, and there has to be an interesting reason to use it.
1: The auto cannons—you don't want them to be Ken, okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't want them to be what Johnny Cage.
0: Yeah, yeah, you don't want to just be doing <laughs> you know nut punches and shadow kicks, uh, you know, over and over. Again. It, it has to—it has to have a place, and I think unless you're playing simply for the sake of having the feel and flavor of the universe, especially as you get later on in the eras. I feel like the autocannon need a boost. And again, it's not that the autocannon five suddenly is better than the large laser or the PPC, but it kind of fits in between them. It doesn't do as much damage as the large laser, but it has greater range. It doesn't do as much damage as the PPC or the large laser, but it has less heat. But it has no heat. Well, next to no heat, heat. and it's consistent. And it's consistent. And and you know, granted, it has ammunition. But one of the things that I think is, is worth pointing out that unless you're playing a really long game chances are you're never going to chew through a full ton of AC5 ammo. Definitely not AC2. <laughs> so so go nuts. You know, you don't have to worry about running hot if you're firing your AC5. Whereas with the PPC, yeah, maybe you don't take that shot because you just jumped that turn and it's a hard, it's a high target number or to hit number. So avoid shooting it. But
1: with the AC5, it's like, okay, it's 11, whatever. It's one point of heat. But even with the five points of damage too, which is getting it back on how bad damage kind of is for them yeah it's consistent with five points but it's
0: just it's still just not enough well right well and there are a couple of things to 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 add on to that too and i think part of it is an ac5 can perform really well if you have enough map sheets to play on you know if you're fast enough and you can keep an opponent at range Mm -hmm. it's it's viable but you know the games tend to kind of gravitate
1: towards being knife fights unless you're really advanced players. Well, a lot of our ideas. I mean, what we were, we were playing what like two by two yeah. most of the time, and yeah. I mean, what's what's the largest we've gotten in our group? Wasn't it like three by three or something? No, like uh, we did a three by two, so we've
0: done six Some, map sheets. Yeah.
1: So uh, even even in playtesting, we've tried on
0: yeah larger I mean, maps too. And definitely, like, if if you're the more advanced players, the more you're going to be using those map sheets, the more you're going to be trying to move around. And we did like we played a game just recently, and and you know, we moved quite around quite a bit around those map sheets mm-hmm. in a way that you know I think a lot of well when we were growing up we didn't we didn't play like that. Um, I mean the other issue is I know people are concerned about the names, and it's it's a bit on the OCD side, but yeah you know, I get it too. It's viable. You don't want to change everything up, and I, you know my my answer to that is and it's it's I, it might be by happenstance or it might be totally real, is that the auto by their names tend to actually fire that amount of ammunition. And what I mean is with an A C twenty, you've got five shots per ton. You are literally firing twenty percent of a ton of ammunition every time you fire an A C twenty. Ten percent with a ten, five percent with a or sorry, yeah, 5% yeah 5%. five percent with a five. The and AC5. then, well, the AC2 is a bit of an odd man out because you got forty-five shots per ton, but yeah. th- don't worry about it.
1: It's it's not worth getting hung up on that one. Yeah, we ha- they haven't worried about it since what the eighties. We're not
0: going to worry yeah. about it now. Right, right, <laughs> right. And so I think it's it's one of those things that you could you could easily just fluff it as okay, they do more damage, but they're firing basically based on their their names are based on how much of a tonnage of ammunition they're firing. So yeah. don't get don't get hung up on
1: it. recoil mechanic.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's. It's worth doing. And I mean, here's the other thing, too, is, um, you know, Battletech is clearly, clearly in an era of transition in terms of wanting to update itself. And that's a whole other topic for another yeah. time uh, based on aesthetics. But if if we're willing to sit down and, you know, update a lot of the visual aesthetic of the battle max because we're concerned about them being aged, um, I think we could update autocannons and not worry too much about it. And... Not lose our shit over having some damage stats changed, and actually, you know, like the rotary auto cannons, the the five in particular had.
1: Yeah, If we look beyond thirty
0: twenty five, you know. yeah, the the, the rotary auto cannon very quickly after its first um, publishing in the Federated Suns field manual, actually had a stats change. They felt it was too light of a weapon, I think,
1: well, yeah, or, or maybe, in, um, or
0: maybe they didn't have enough criticals. Did they, they wanted to update the criticals? He did the
1: same thing with tactical handbook.
0: Yeah, they changed all the things.
1: Every single weapon was basically changed.
0: Yeah. So, you know, it's it's one of those things where it can happen. The game will survive but if it happens. I think the game will be better. It will be stronger. And it just requires the writers and the powers that be to just sit down and say, you know what? We've been seeing this for a long time. Let's just go ahead and do it. Because, I mean, yeah, okay, sure. You know, an Auto Cannon 10 suddenly being a head capper may change things. But that makes it interesting because then the only two headcappers in in 3025 era are auto cannons um and i think that's that's cool you know that's cool and it means mechs like the enforcer it means shadow hawks it means wolverines banshee the banshee can do can, urban mech can force psrs or pollen skill rolls um which especially if you're playing with regular skilled mech warriors those PSRs can be really scary, you know. Um, if when if it's if it's a six or better to stay up, there's a good chance you it may fall. Up, you know. So it's just yeah, that's that's our spiel on that. I think it's it's worth it's worth pursuing. Um, I just want to see how long we have been chatting before we subject you to another topic. Well, we've been going on for about 37 minutes. Do you want to call it here, or do you want
1: to? Uh, what else? Do you think we could talk about? Uh, I, mean, we, I guess we can think about how to make like the mechanic we well, came mean, up with would look outside of 3025.
0: Well, right, right. Well and, and I think um because that, that
1: was another we know what third we're talking about. Well
0: right, about. right, right. Well and, and it's it's I think one of the things to think about too, especially with LBX autocannons. Um you know LBX autocannons Um are incredibly powerful, and I think for a long time, uh, especially when we were growing up, I said, well, why would why would we want to do like this this like sand blasting? You know, one point of damage here, one point of damage there, and then very quickly realize what like floating criticals or exposed uh, sections of armor, like wow, suddenly like getting hit with an LBX auto cannon is terrifying. Yeah. Um.
1: So what? How how were we thinking this? We so thought we were. If we were doing a damage increase, when we were coming up with it, or when we did it, we were only thinking about applying it to standard ammunition. But for something like, let's say you're firing an LB-10X, instead of if you're using cluster ammunition... Or if you're using flak ammo. Or flak ammo, whatever. um, You're not applying that bonus to the damage of the weapon. You're applying it to the cluster chart for the weapon. So the clusters become way more accurate with the plus two to hit. Yeah.
0: It was either that or just or just saying, okay, you know, uh, straight die roll, LB-10x, you just roll in 10 cluster chart, you don't worry about it, or you can add the plus 2. I mean, there are definitely different ways to handle this and definitely different options, because we don't want cluster ammo to become more powerful than it can be. Because believe me, there's nothing more satisfying than taking your bushwhacker version with the LB-20x... Yeah, and
1: rolling every cluster on that thing.
0: And then, and then like... <laughs> Round one or two, like, taking your friend's assault mech. And this this wasn't you. This was somebody else. No. <laughs> and then, like, floating crit and knocking out the gyro. <laughs> like, round two. Like, it's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. I recommend it. Try it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it doesn't even need to be more powerful than it is. Um, but I think definitely you know, the increased slug damage is definitely worth worth it. It's pursuing. the little
1: the little nudged in the ammo carrying weapons ability, you know, yeah. in the era of case and double heat sinks.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, I mean, once you had double heat sinks, you know, it's a problem. And I think I look at like the Bushwhacker and, you know, it has that standard A C ten and I think maybe in the designers' heads they maybe they were fluffing it that it was being designed, you know, just before the clan invasion and so probably the A C ten was a by product until LB10Xs were rolling out. I get the impression in the fluff, especially when you're reading the uh, Blood of Kerensky trilogy, that the Inner Sphere had basically the old mechs, and then like the clans hit, and then like right afterward, that suddenly oh all these all this advanced ammunition and all this advanced technologies just suddenly showed up. And just before you were stuck using your, you know, 3025 Crusader or your Marauder or whatever. Um, and so that's a bit of a uh, transition that they've been smoothing out in the past 10, 15 years. Like, the War of 3039, you got these prototype versions. You know, they talk about it in uh, uh, Interstellar Operations and Strat Ops and whatnot. Yeah. Um, and, like, dates of extinction and dates of reintroduction and Re-fit the tech kits. manual. Um, but you know, before that, it seemed like it, it was very sudden. And so maybe, maybe that's what they did it as, or maybe they thought, well, we'll just put an AC10 because it'll make it interesting. Um, but there's not much of a reason to put an LB10X as soon as you, you can on that thing. But yeah. in general, once you get to the 3050 era and beyond, like if you're if you're not using an LB10X, what else are you doing? Yeah. Why you know? not? Yeah. And it also makes the Ultra Auto Cannon 5, especially the Intersphere Ultra Auto Cannon 5, more interesting. You know, oh, it, means yeah. that, it means that Sentinel is a totally different beast in the game. And I, I know two points of damage on top of a five-point damage sounds sounds silly. It's just not enough. But I think it is, especially when you're taking into account range. And it means that with an Auto Cannon 5, you're shooting at medium range when a medium laser is at long. Yeah. Or with an Ultra Auto Cannon, you're shooting at medium range with a medium laser
1: can't even hit you. And oh my god, you can match the damage of the clan ER medium laser. Which is. That's a long time. That's another topic. That's, that's, that is, <laughs> we're not going to get into that one. Oh man, we would be here for I'm, an hour. I'm a clan fan, but. I, it's obscene. I can already see your, yeah, well, your forehead turning red. Yeah. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's such bullshit. LRM minimum ranges.
0: <laughs> What were they thinking? Near medium laser <laughs> goes to 15 hexes, one ton, seven points of damage, five points of heat. It had to be a typo. Fucking Jordan Wiseman. Anyway, autocannons. Auto, cannons. auto oh. cannons, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah, it just it's a little boost, it'll it's a help. And you know the cluster thing, and so I guess I guess we will talk about it. So a couple weeks ago we did something where we we did it was a land, it was equal B V. Actually, I think the intersphere lance had a little bit higher B V. Um,
1: yeah, I had a bad you, week, and we decided to make it worse for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. So what well, I should say it was Battle Value Tier was based on the stuff and, and the, the new record sheets. And it was an Intersphere Lance, kind of like air quotes here, Razzle Hulk Republic. So it was a...
1: Uh, Dragon, Vindicator. Um, Panther. Panther, and, and Jenner. Jenner. And then I took... Uh, all stock. Just all standard stock. variants, none yeah. of the special ones.
0: And I took a Gargoyle Prime. And granted, it was... Gargoyle Prime had it was, like, an elite pilot. It was, like, a
1: what, skill. Zero, like, one or something? No,
0: it was 1-2, I think. It was piloting to Gunnery 1. And it was Gargoyle Prime. And the Intersphere was all standard pilots, mm-hmm. you know, 5-4. Um, and we played with the optional rules in uh, tech, ops. tech Ops, where you can aim high, aim low, aim to the left, aim to the right. So for a plus 3, you could aim in a way that you could aim with the legs, you can aim at the punch location or shots from above and shots from below which is actually in um, the rules in Total Warfare um, or you could aim uh, to the left side of the mech or aim to the right side of the mech and so granted yes using Elite Pilot but what I basically did is with the Gargoyle is when I felt it was viable to do so I aimed high and used the cluster charts and I didn't get as many head hits as I wanted to, but I got enough. It caused enough stress. <laughs> and so basically within, I don't know, eight, ten rounds...
1: No, I think we got up to, like, ten. Ten? It got pretty high.
0: I was able to basically knock unconscious all four sphere pilots to the point where they got, like, four or five head hits, and none of them were able to kind of come conscious again in the next end phase. And basically won through just knocking a lance of, of
1: mech's unconscious. Yeah, it came down to the dragon. He yeah. almost took off the left torso of yeah, the Gargoyle. And, and,
0: and the Gargoyle got pretty beat up. I mean, there was some you know, if there was one or two rolls that went Dan's way, that Gargoyle would have lost the torso. Would I lose like
1: seven rounds of initiative in that game? Which
0: definitely hurt. <laughs> yeah. But the gargoyle is fast enough that it probably would have changed, you know, movement positions, but it definitely means that a gargoyle prime is a viable machine. And it's, it's, a, it's a good way to, to sink BV, right? If, if you need to have a fifth mech, um, you could probably nudge the piloting skills up a little bit because it's got a low BV versus a Timberwolf or a Direwolf or a Warhawk.
1: Yeah, it also shows, and if you look at how the rules have actually progressed, how useful that mech probably was when you were dealing with units using a lot of partial cover. Because yeah. you used to have, back in the old days, roll 1d6 on partial cover. Yeah, and then you know you could score head hits pretty easily. Yeah, it was it chance.
0: was hard to hit. It was a plus two or plus three.
1: It um, was a three. Was I a remember three, that.
0: Which was pretty high. Which means getting into water wasn't as scary because you could just sit there and camp with your plus three, and you wouldn't be so worried about mm-hmm. it. Um, but yeah, it was it would be punch location, um, and now it's it's a plus one, and you roll two d six on the normal location chart, and you just any leg head is just brushed off. Yeah, it it, it like hits the terrain. But yeah, no, it's just, it's, uh, cluster hits are are interesting. People kind of groan when it comes down to it, but they're powerful, they work, especially when you've got a mech that's got a bunch of, you know, armor locations that are stripped of armor. You know, every hit, every group of five, every single SRM, every cluster point from an LBX is a critical hit roll. And when you're rolling, you know, two, three critical hits for a single location,
1: it, it's powerful. Those dice rolls are going to creep up. Yeah, yeah. They're going to creep up into your favor eventually. Yeah. So yeah, um yeah. So
0: I mean, that's basically. It. I mean, to kind of sum up. I mean, we you know, we love BattleTech. We've been doing it for a long time. Um, I think it's 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 worthwhile for the creators to visit the idea of looking at auto cannons and, and buffing them. Um, I don't think it, it's something that needs to be drastic. Um, I, you know, if the guys over the Battletech PC game thought it needs to be done to make those weapons more viable, they granted also in the PC game, they got they're sub- way higher. Yeah, they got where they're, they're way higher. We're talking about, but they got you know, they got stability modifiers too, and, and a number of different, you know, different aspects. But it's worth looking at. I think you can do it without unbalancing the game, you can do it without you know, making energy weapons like inferior, they can still be superior. Mm-hmm. But I think the autocannons have a, a they got a place on the battlefield. And, and you
1: can you can do it without changing you know stats on the weapons too. Yeah, so with, that's less work for the developers when yeah. you have to go update those sheets. Yeah, all
0: you need is an errata and just put an asterisk by it or something like that and just say, hey, this is something we're, we're gonna do. Um, and it's it's not unheard of. Jack yeah,
1: ops optional rule.
0: Yeah, and it's just something that can just, just be done. Just boom. And I think it'll it it'll make the game healthier. Um, and it means that your your tanks, your scorpions, your vedettes, your scimitars, and your saladins like they're they become better. They become better.
1: Um, so it's worth it's worth doing. It's worth doing. So of the two rules that we actually did discuss, uh, which one do you think you like a lot better? Like after we talked about it, like has your opinion changed at all? I think I'd be happy with either.
0: I think I think the straight damage boost is probably the easiest, um, but we, I, I would be I would be happy with doing it on a, you know, if you if you roll on a seven and you need a seven, it's five. If you roll higher
1: than that, you get you get the the plus two. I think it's totally fine. It makes them feel different than even like arm launchers or yeah. you know, because your your lasers are just your vanilla point shoot hit. Yeah. Your autocannons are point shoot hit, but you get a bonus. Your missile launchers are point shoot, roll cluster hit. Yeah. So it it create it makes it actually makes them different. Right, which actually has been something that people have talked about for a long time
0: is that you know, the thing about BattleTech is that you know, in general you know the weapons you know they just do damage and that's and that's it and there's you just you want to min max you take the most efficient thing, which is kind of where you know flamers come in. You know maybe flamers do heat instead of doing damage.
1: Heat and damage. Or heat and time. damage. Yeah. Machine um, guns plus one bonus on. You know, rolling for critical hits. Yeah.
0: And that's something that the developers have clearly been trying to address with new weapon systems in the game. Um, you've got your plasma weapons. You've got mm-hmm. your chemical guns. You've got your battle mech tasers mortars, too. Mortars and mortars. Different ammo, yeah. um, and so I, they've been trying different ways to make different options, um, you know, for mechs to, to make things more interesting. I mean, even rocket launchers in a way... Um, oh, I love those. Yeah. <laughs> um, those are such a guilty pleasure of mine. Yeah, um, and so and so, <laughs> I think you know, the idea that you're introducing something's a bit different. So, you know, if you've got your direct fire weapons, you've got your ACs, you got your lasers. Make the ACs function differently, and make them interesting enough that it's worth taking them. Um, I like
1: I like the feel different option a lot more, and that's not yeah. me trying to toot my own horn or anything. Yeah, it's just it it makes them feel different, right? And it doesn't give them more work to do. Yeah, when it comes to like changing record sheets and errata and Because
0: I mean, even you know, you know, if LRM's and SRMs are both missile weapons and they both function the same, at least you know, LRM's go longer and they do five points per cluster, and SRMs are lighter, but and they go shorter, but they each missile goes to a different location, and they're they're different enough that they both have their space.
1: Mm-hmm. Unlike clan missiles, yeah, we're, we'll get into that another day. Yeah. <laughs> forget that. <laughs>
0: So yeah, guys, I'm gonna see what our time is here. Um, so I think we we managed to creep up to about 45 minutes. If I can type my well, password, we'll get
1: better at doing this. Yeah, <laughs> Adam, you're you're definitely more of the talker than I am.
0: <laughs> well, I talk for a living. Um, but yeah, no, we just made it to 51 minutes and 30 seconds. So I think we are gonna call it here, guys. If you listen, thank you. If you mm-hmm. Have an opinion. I mean, go ahead and share it. Um, I'd be interested to know. I mean, I have no idea where we're going to share this, but maybe we'll just upload it to YouTube and call it a day. I got,
1: I got a YouTube channel. Yeah. I go by Fear Factory on the boards, too. I don't yeah. know if we mentioned our form handles.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually, it's uh, Abu. Mm-hmm. Um, and you guys may have seen some of the stuff on uh, the Battletech painting or uh, the Players by Zip Code.
1: Uh, yeah, with me, I did the the Burrock handbook, which I'm, I'm kind of okay with it. Yeah. But I'm more proud of my my mercenary unit, Litany Against Fear.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you've probably seen us around. And if not, I mean, we're there. And, yeah, I guess we'd be curious to hear what you guys think, if you agree with us, or if you got any other ideas. Um, So, yeah. Take care, guys.
1: Podcast. Woo!